Hi there, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching, and today we are going to cover how to get your child to do the thing that they said they wanted to do. <laughs> so if your child is struggling with following through on an expectation that they have for themselves, an interest that they have for themselves, whether that be extracurricular or academic, uh, homework or camps or any sort of activity, sports, whatever, then today is the day to listen up. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Here at MTC, we help parents of highly sensitive kids eliminate the daily meltdown, shutdown, refusal cycle in as little as eight weeks. And you guys know I mostly talk about this as a meltdown cycle. And it's also true that many children who are stuck in the cycle are doing more of those meltdowns internally or they're refusing, right? So they're either shutting down or they're refusing. And so we're gonna talk about all three today because if your kid is saying they're not going to go to basketball when it is uh, time to leave or they're struggling with getting their shoes on for, um, for, you know, for soccer or whatever, whenever you listen to this show, um, whatever sport applies, then, but you know that they wanna play, that they love it by the time they get there, all of this puzzling behavior, it is important for us to pay attention to what to do, right? Now, one of the things that you probably have been working on is helping your child notice that uh, they're, they're feeling feelings in the moment, right? So you might've heard or tried that a meltdown isn't the time to teach your kid and to solve the problem. It's just the time to be a container for their feelings. Any of you ever heard that, right? Many, many parent coaches or professionals, even therapists, whatever, are saying that it's just time for your child to feel their feelings. You as a parent need to ride it out when they're they're stuck in this emotion and they're they're having this big emotional intensity, right? Now, I want to bust that myth today because that is so ineffective when we're thinking about breaking out of the meltdown cycle and you're doing it sustainably, right? But before we dive in to what I know works and where parents often find most success in this dynamic, I want to make sure that we're unpacking that myth so that you understand how all of this is related. So you can really keep track of what advice you're following as well as do what works, right? So one of the things that I know that um, many other people will tell you or you might read in books or, or you might try to apply general gentle parenting to this problem is that the typical approach to you know, helping your child build a sense of emotional intelligence is to help them feel their feelings, right? To not make them wrong for having feelings in the first place. Now, 
if you've been following me for any way, shape, or form, um, for any length of time, you know that that is something that we support here at MTC. We do want children to be quote unquote allowed to feel their feelings by their parents, right? And so if you've been trying to get that happening for your sensitive kid, one thing that we know is that gentle parenting isn't sufficient. So if you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, that means that your child is missing some structure around how long those feelings can last, right? How long the emotional intensity can last. Now, I want to make sure that I'm clear here. Uh, I'm speaking to you as a parent uh, because you're seeing the explosion or the refusal or the shutdown and you're attributing that behavior to the emotion that's driving the behavior. Now, if you were parented by parents who said my way or the highway or sucking up buttercup or parents who noticed that you were feeling big feelings and then just kind of let you, you know, take your time and warm up and eventually get to it, you might have a really hard time figuring out how much is too much to have your child be at this extreme level of emotional intensity, right? Now, for highly sensitive kids, the highs are high and the lows are low if they're stuck in the family meltdown cycle. Now, we know that the meltdown cycle is a family dynamic problem. That means that everybody in the family is playing into this dynamic, you included, right? And as parents, the change in our family dynamic starts with us, okay? So great news, this is your responsibility. Great news, this is your responsibility, right? So I want you to stay out of shame, blame, and overwhelm and uh, stay with me. We'll focus on this one particular part of the problem that is often happening where most parents will get stuck and it's very true that it's that it's you know likely also happening for you when your child is saying that they don't want to do something that you know they want to do you're going to feel a couple of things right you're going to feel torn right uh, do I honor their emotions right now and take their words at face value and help them feel the emotion at whatever intensity they're capable of expressing it right now and then just be a container right arms wide open, ready to go, bigger and outstretched, just as much as you love your child, is just as much as you should allow them or experience them in their big intense emotions. That whole ride the meltdown out process, right? Now, that would work if your kid's meltdowns are like five minutes, right? Many of you are dealing with meltdowns that are much longer, much more intense, or much more dangerous, even if they are short, right? So we have to be looking at intensity, frequency, and duration. And we teach our clients how to track that because if your child's intensity, frequency, and duration are not shifting, then there's no way that just letting, quote unquote, your kid feel their feelings is an appropriate approach to a meltdown, right? Because you can let your kid have feelings, quote unquote, let, I mean, that language just in and of itself um, indicates a, a lack of, of, of uh, control on the child's part, right? Because it means that when we say we let our kid feel a feeling, that means that we're giving them permission to feel a feeling. No one gives your kid permissions to feel the feeling. The feeling is your kid's feelings to feel it. <laughs> Beep, doop, doop. I'm going to turn into Dr. Seuss here, right? It's your kid's feeling. You can't choose those feelings. So you can't let them feel the feeling or not right? Like, let's follow that logic here. 
what I'm focusing on and what most parents will get stuck on, and so it's true, you know, it's okay if you're getting stuck on this because this is where gentle parenting leads you stuck. Have your child feel the feeling. Be the container. Let them have their moment. That is not safe for your child. If they are hitting, kicking, screaming, right? If they're over the age of four where they're expected to have body control on a daily basis, if they're over the age of four and they're having a meltdown on a daily basis, that's still not safe, right? So when we're looking at developmentally appropriate behavior, have your child's, uh, give your child attention and care and love and compassion and empathy when they're experiencing an intense emotion, you definitely need to do that. And you definitely need to be addressing the problem if your child is hitting, kicking, screaming, running away, refusing to do things that they're interested in. And, and that's a sustainable issue in the family. That means that this is deeper than just your child needs to be allowed to feel their feelings, okay? So what happens? What, what's, what's, what's going on? What emotion? If you're feeling torn in this dynamic, then you know, rightfully so, right? Because you can't have your five-year-old, your six-year-old, your nine-year-old chucking shoes around the house, right? Throwing whatever they, they pick up and, and have this explosive intensity for half an hour, let alone hours on end. We've worked with clients where that's the problem, right? And so what when that's going on, you end up walking on eggshells around your child to just get them out the door. Is that helpful? No, you don't feel powerful there. And how can you parent the way that you want to parent intentionally with an emotional intelligence focus if you are not feeling empowered? Because you know that you're trapped in quote unquote, letting your kid feel their feelings when you know that emotional explosion and intensity is like gas to a fire. You know, it's just gonna keep burning until it's out of gas, right? And that's no way to live. Your kid's adrenals are on fire. The cortisol and adrenaline's running through their body. They're miserable, you're miserable, everybody's miserable, right? Especially during those moments. Now, maybe you're able to cultivate, you know, uh, happiness and look on the bright side and you've got some emotion management skills yourself right but we're not talking about coping outside of the moment of the big meltdown I mean you'd be doing the same thing that everybody else is teaching you which is keeping you stuck right let's just help the child talk about it later that's a coping skill to talk about it after you vented which I mean at the core an adult vent is a meltdown it might be behaviorally controlled, right? But nobody feels good when they vent. You know that. You feel all hot and bothered and worked up when you vent and you let yourself go on and on and on and on. You feel much more capable and control when you notice your anger and your emotion and your body and your, and your expression and your tone and you release it. And then you say, you know, that really bothered me. But if you rant and rave, you never feel great. Maybe there's a cathartic release, and you but you get wiped out. That's why the release feels relieving. So, so I feel so passionate about this topic because the gentle parenting approach is keeping parents stuck even if they know that highly sensitive kids exist. So I want to just make sure that we're all anchoring into this fact that you're stuck and this mentality is not your fault. Because if you're listening to other people teach about this subject, 
They're keeping you stuck, even when you're trying to do what they tell you to do. Hold a container. When your kid is flooding, you can't, you can't hold that container. It's going to overflow. And no one feels safe in a dynamic when the child is losing their mind. They don't feel safe. You don't feel safe there either because you don't know where they're going to go. <laughs> You're playing, you know, bubble wrapping and, 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 and navigating and trying to keep them away from vases and glasses on the table and, you know, the baby or, or the dog, right? Not because they're, in, they're sadistic or they're going to manipulate um, uh, the, the peace in the home and they're doing any of this on purpose, but because their whole body is out of control. They can't manage it. So why are we perpetuating a belief that just quote unquote letting them handle that is skillful for anybody involved, is part of a solution? It's not. It's not. Okay. So whew, let's breathe it out, right? Like I said, I'm getting uh I'm getting fired up here. So what does help? What does help? What does help is having clear and effective standards for your child's behavior in an emotionally intelligent manner so that you're building resiliency, right? Because if you're perpetuating venting at the adult level, right? That's not a resilient person, right? If they're just complaining all the time. They're not very resilient. Maybe they get over it and they eventually solve problems. But resiliency is noticing when you're frustrated, noticing when you're overwhelmed, releasing that emotion, letting it rise and fall, and then getting on with it, not talking and perpetuating and complaining and going on and on and on and on and on, right? There's still self-control available and existent in an emotionally intelligent, resilient person, especially as an adult. So if that's the goal, since that's the goal, then I encourage you to ask yourself, are children capable of that too? I'm here to tell you they are. They absolutely are, okay? Um, I have this cute little note. For those of you who are watching a show rather than joining my daughter, I was on a call with a client and um, she came into my office now. Some of you know we homeschool, okay? She came in sad. She was disappointed about something. I don't know. I could just see her face. Now she's seven and a half. This happened today, so I happen to have it as a great example um, at the time of this recording, right? And um, and she wrote, uh, I'll just put a little bit because there's some stuff there and her name and all that stuff and I don't need to, and the, the nanny's name and everything. And she wrote, I, I wrote um, that I was on a call, right? I love you very much. My call will be over at such and such time and I, I put that um, down on the note while she came into my office okay and she wrote I am distraught she's seven so distraught d-i-s-t-r-o-t and then uh, a little bit more about her story which I will keep private because that's her business and um, well she was she was she had a, a, a miscalculation by the nanny just you know regular human being stuff right so she takes a moment she comes down to mom. She shows mom a face. She needs a break from the nanny. And um, the nanny being a human being, right? You're not always going to read the kid's mind. That's totally fine, right? And um, my child is able to tolerate that. Okay, so what'd she do? 
She sat in my office. I've got a chair um, in it, you know, when I'm not sitting at my desk, cozy chair. She sits there. I wrote her the note while I was on the phone. I gave it to her. She read it. She wrote the note back. And then she went up, she kissed me on the cheek and she went upstairs. I mean, she stayed in the office for maybe another minute or two. I wasn't really noticing because I was working. Seven and a half, right? So I want to make sure that we're clear on if you're parenting a, a four and a half year old, right? Now I work full time, nearly. I'm going to set my own schedule so it doesn't, it's not a nine to five. But I work, uh, so does my husband. We also homeschool. So we have support with that. Um, but I'm in the office. I mean, this is, it's expected for my kid to, to, you know, if she needs something, she's bleeding, she needs a kiss, she has a boo-boo, she can come in. But she's not expected to uh, hang out with me at this age because she's, you know, she's only seven. So I'm not, um, you know, she has clear uh, expectations around that and she knows that. She knows how to manage her emotions. So resiliency is you have a disagreement with somebody who's caring for you. You go check on somebody else because they happen to be there too and they're around and um, you have a conversation or you tolerate disappointment, right? Because it would have worked really well for her. She's probably expecting to get to talk it out with me and get coached by me to solve the problem, right? But um, that wasn't possible. And now she's a big feeler. She's a seven-year-old right now. I'm distraught, right? Something happened. And um, that's what's possible. You can do that, right? Now, we, this is something we help our clients do all the time. So it just happened to be top of mind. But um, when you help your child communicate, they can experience an, a missed expectation, right? Because sometimes I don't want to go to basketball is because I don't want to stop my Lego, right? It's got nothing to do with basketball, but they are freaking out because whatever, they're disappointed, they're frustrated, they missed time, whatever, right? And, um, and so it's got nothing to do with basketball. So it's incredibly to important to understand that the whole gentle parenting perspective is their feelings are valid, right? Their feelings are valid. We're not going to argue. They shouldn't, they, they shouldn't feel disappointed about stopping Lego or whatever, or my kid shouldn't have felt disappointed about, um, about her, you know, a miscommunication with another caregiver, right? Um, I'm not going to shame her for that. I am going to set the tone of the expectation. Hey, bud, can't help you out right now, right? Love you. Um, you can handle it. And that's the expectation, right? So if you're telling yourself that your nine-year-old needs to throw and kick and hit and scream and, 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 and lose it, and that that's what holding a container for emotion is supposed to look like, then I have news for you. Great news. It does not have to be like this. Your child can manage their emotions well, and you can manage other priorities well. And that can happen regularly, day in and day out. Your kid can feel feelings, be very insightful because highly sensitive kids are very insightful when they have the skills and are led by parents who teach them how that insight can be fostered. Okay. So you see the insight because your kid is probably telling you a lot, like a, a ton after those meltdowns. If you're following that typical process of just let your kid, you know, talk and talk and talk and talk after the meltdown. What if you didn't have to have the meltdown in the first place and you could get that clarity in the moment with your kid and they were settled enough to notice mom I really want to do Lego and I really want to go to mount the to basketball 
And so now I feel stuck because I don't want to be a bad uh, team member, but I really am loving in my Lego right now. And I'm so confused and warped and, and frustrated and, and, and um, torn that I don't know how to communicate that to you, but I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm not going to feel so out of control that my body just responds as if it's on fire. That's what's possible when you eliminate the daily meltdown cycle in your home and you teach your children how to express their emotions safely. That requires structure. That means when we teach our parents to playfully engage their children in moving out of the house when it's time to go, they do that from love and compassion and empathy, not my way or the highway. Let's go, kid. I paid for basketball. We're going, right? Not from passivity either, which is, oh, aren't you sure? I really like was hoping to take you to basketball. I know you're going to have fun when you get there. That might feel like you're encouraging your kid or you're validating, but it's not validation. That's not what validation looks like. Validation looks like helping your child notice their emotions and then settle them with a smooth up and down process, even if they're big, big meaning deep for your kid because they're thinking about all kinds of stuff, right? But because your child is processing a lot of information doesn't mean that they're just deeply feeling. If you would think about your kid as a deep feeler, as the construct of their temperament, then um, you actually leave yourself really stuck in this dynamic because highly sensitive children are deep processors. They're not deep feelers. They're deep processors and then they process their feelings deeply. Okay, so it's a mischaracterization of an understanding of, of, of your child. They are, um, they are intellectually and emotionally gifted, right? Whether they meet the criteria of the top 2% or not on a test is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about it's a blessing to raise your children. They're awesome. I mean, what a, what a wealth of, of, of connection you can have with a kid who can name that they're frustrated with, you know, by the time they're 18 months old by the time they're four and, and, and handle that and respond well to that. And then also do that um, at nine, right? And, and then go so far as saying they're distraught, right? I mean, that's, a, that's an emotion that requires an intellectual understanding of vari variable uh, emotions, right? As well as vocabulary, accurate vocabulary. Um, Emotional intelligence is possible for your child. Your child is a, is has a lot more capability, and you know that than um, than than other processes or books or or, or um, approaches that you've taken uh, have left you feeling like um, or it lets you see what your kid is what your kid is doing right now, right? So, I want this message to be um, uh, inspiring for you to acknowledge that your standard of safety in your home can absolutely be held right now. It can absolutely, you can absolutely lead your child to hop, skip and jump into the car, go to basketball, even though, uh, they are wishing they could stay home and work on a different project or torn about, you know, maybe a school, uh, objective. They're worried they're not going to get a good grade on the test, right? Um, you can still, experience an emotion on that front. They can have two dueling priorities, right? You could do that without meltdowns. Do that without meltdowns. And uh, without shutdowns, without refusals. No, I'm not going. I never wanted to go. I, I 
hate it, all of that. You hate me. Why are you making it? You're the worst mom ever. Why are you making me go? I told you I don't want to go. Like all of that is a symptom of the meltdown cycle. Now, playful communication in the time of emotional intensity is possible. Possible. You can't do that from distraction though. Okay, so when we're talking about what works, you have to be intentional with your play. We teach parents how to use play as the child's language rather than using play as a distraction tool, right? Um, which actually plays into your own mindset, right? Because if you're only playing in life and with your kids when you have time for it, then that means that there's a lot of layers to how you operate and, and um, how you communicate that need to be rewired in your mind in order to actually value uh, the, the, the power of play as one of the reasons why we're here on this earth is to enjoy each other and, and our families and to do that in the middle of challenge. That's what resourceful, resilient children do. They realize that challenge is going to come in life and they don't stop. They don't see that as a barrier. They don't respond with a fixed mindset. I can't, I won't, no way, right? And so if you're following a process that's telling you, you can't, you won't, no way, help your kid follow through on an expectation when they're having a meltdown, then there's no way you're going to teach your kid how to have a growth mindset if you're following a fixed perspective of trying to parent them, right? So hopefully we've created lots of aha moments in this process and uh, it encourages you to shift your availability, uh, mental availability to, to dream, right? want this to be an opportunity for relief as well as inspiration today. So let's do it, right? Let's do it. Let's stay out of extremes. You either make your kid think differently right now, this moment, come heck or high water, or you just ride it out till the end of night and, and, and have a two hour conversation at bedtime about where they're stuck, right? We teach our clients how to have a much more effective productive conversation and communication about what your child's worried about uh, or concerned about or you know whatever's on their mind on their heart during the day when everybody's enjoy when everybody's uh, uh, much more um, energized and present of mind so that we're not overloading the conversation because if you wait to the end of the night you're you're dealing with your kid being flooded and out of control by their emotions and then you're actually perpetuating that flood at the end of the night letting them blood on and on and on about all their worries. Again, you're actually allowing them intellectually, not like giving them a pink permission slips, like, okay, son, now you can talk, right? Like, that's not what I mean by allow, but you're keeping the pattern stuck. You're, you're, they're ruminating there too. Rumination is the cyclical thinking process of what ifing and front running and, and, um, Monday morning quarterbacking the day. So thinking ahead to try to, you know, pull, plug every little angle, right? Um, as well as thinking in the past to try to plug every little hole and, and, and talk out and hash out every little hole. And then being stuck in worry and discussion and over discussion of a problem. Okay. So a child ends up going down many rabbit holes and communication challenges when they tie their emotional concerns to lots of different scenarios. It keeps a belief system stuck 
that problems are complicated and overwhelming. And so your child's already overcomplicating and being overwhelmed. They don't have the skills right now to handle it. And so that's why the part of it, why they're emotionally exploding. So then why are we um, engaging in the same behavior, but through talk at the end of the night, right? I mean, this is, this is just why I decided to leave the, uh, the mental health world and stop thinking like a therapist because a therapist is going to want to talk and talk and talk about the problem or uh, play and play and play about the problem. And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You need to be able to shift your mindset, think outside the box. And, and we help our clients do that because you deserve to have a completely different dynamic in your home. And you, you deserve to feel empowered to understand how and why the problem is happening. And then also what to do about it in the moment and what to do about it outside of the moment to really solve the problem rather than just pay attention to the day to day. Okay, here's what to, what to do to come up with a plan to make sure you get to basketball on Tuesday because um, you refuse today, which is Thursday, right? Like we're not just talking about basketball, guys. We're talking about being able to solve all problems no matter what they are because it could be Monday's doctor's appointment that your kid responds in the same manner. You got to get the kid to the doctor appointment, don't you? Right? You're not going to delay that or kick that can down the road because I don't know if you're, so you're my kid's pediatrician takes six months to find another appointment if you miss that one, right? Oh, gosh, don't even get me started about the dentist. <laughs> I can't miss that appointment, right? There's no way we're rescheduling in any timely fashion. So there's things in life, right? And some of you are struggling with your kid refusing to go to school. You can't, you can't have that happen, right? So we got to focus on how to pace your kid into prioritizing safe behaviors first and how to do that playfully so that you're not distracting them and or holding them down metaphorically with empty threats or physically with like big bear hugs and stuff like that. Some people teach, um, none of that is necessary. Okay. Um, it's definitely, um, harder and more intense to solve initially, but it is so much more empowering to solve it the way that we solve it. And um, you got to be changing the way that you think about the problem for sure. Uh, obviously, we spend a lot of time talking about play and, and that changing the way that you use play. And then prioritization of um, certain behaviors over others um, from a more strategic standpoint in order to tackle them all because some of them are side effects. And you need to understand what that is, side effects of the meltdown cycle, okay? So I encourage you to book a call with our team. Go to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk, T-A-L-K, all right? And um, book, have a conversation with us, all right? If you're in a two-parent household, we require both parents on that call because both of you are contributing to the problem, right? And um, both of you are trying to not contribute to the problem in certain ways that might actually still be contributing to the problem. And uh, we want to hear from both of you and um, to determine if we're a good fit to work together. If that's the case, uh, then you can absolutely get started with us on that very same call. Uh, if determining uh, that we're a good fit to work together has a barrier to it, um, uh, where there's a different solution or a different process that's more effective, then we steer you in that direction instead, right? Or maybe there's something you got to do first before you would qualify to work with us or get invited to work with us. And um, I'm happy to ensure that we get great results for our clients by telling some people they can't work with us. Um, so I'm happy to have you apply 
and uh, book your call and then fill out the application. And then we'll, um, we'll determine what the next steps are for your family. Okay. Again, uh, that conversation is uh, with the team. We look forward to having a conversation with you and we'll see you on the next show. Bye now. Thank you for joining me on this episode of how to parent your highly sensitive child like a ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson. And we look forward to speaking to you soon.